Yo, 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 what is going on? Welcome back to another episode. And today we have somebody with us that I know you're going to get a lot of value from. This is going to be a heavy note-taking episode as well as opening yourself up to a different way of thinking. Um, I've been I've been around Jamie on and off for probably about a year and a half, two years now, and she's one of those uh, stealthy ninjas in the group. You don't know the impact of have how much she's there until you're right there and you're like, holy crap, this woman's a power force around everything that we're doing. She's an entrepreneur, an author, a business coach, a mom, and a wife, a spouse, and just an overall great human being. So I wanted to introduce Jamie Villalobos. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Alex. I'm so excited to be on the show. It's a great show. Thanks. We're excited to have you here. Um, we don't do a ton of guests that are remote, and you were actually the first one that we accepted to be remote for this. So. Awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, like I said, guys, this is going to be a super heavy note-taking episode. But before we get into it, Jamie, why don't we tell people where they can find you and how they can help support you real fast before we get into the meat and potatoes today? Awesome. I appreciate that. So um, I think probably the best way is maybe Instagram. It's at jamie.villalobos. Uh, I give tips constantly for entrepreneurs on there and leadership, coaching, and, and then uh, happyandstrong.com website is a great place that you can connect with me and you can ask me questions or email those things. And then my book is coming out. Uh, it's May 17th is the launch date. So they can get the book pretty much anywhere books are sold. And that's called happy and strong. That's awesome. This podcast will be dropping on Friday the 13th. So we'll have a good run of people right before your launch. Awesome. Thanks. Right. Guys, you should go buy your book. You know, we don't endorse a lot of products or people on this. So absolutely go check it out. Make sure you're checking out our website and following our on social. You'll find a lot of great content there. Um, one of the things that you've been kind of branded or labeled, uh, whether it was your intention to or not, was the balance queen. And that, yeah. <laughs> that's a weird um, that's a weird stigma for entrepreneurs, right? Because yeah. we, we get told from so many different directions that balance isn't achievable or that you shouldn't even try to achieve balance. You should try to find harmony or right. And it's just, they're all right. adjectives talking about the same thing and copywriters trying to be fancy. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy doing what you're doing or trying to live your life, what's the purpose of getting into business, right? Cause we all started this to chase freedom in some exactly. way, shape or form. So how do you, how do you think about balance and, you know, how, especially with a husband and four kids, like how in the world do you find synergy around your life? Right. So I have, you know, I've been an entrepreneur now for 23 years. I started out single, 22 years old, and I was all in always, you know, first one in the office, last to leave. I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I think a lot of us do that, high achievers, entrepreneurs. And, uh, and then I find so often in these people that are, you know, even making hundreds of thousands, multiple seven figures even, and they're trying to chase these big goals, but then they're not happy. Or they get there and they end up divorced or their kids don't want to talk to them or they're unhealthy and they're spending all their money buying their health back. And so for me, I had to make big adjustments when I got married and create a common vision with my husband. Then I also had to make adjustments when I had my first kid, when she was about 18 months old, I was like, all right, you know, I don't know if I'm spending enough time at home. Am I going to ruin my kids? But then when I was at home, I was always also worrying about my business and if I'm neglecting there, or if I'm still relevant or if I'm still competitive enough. And so it was this common, this constant distraction that was going on in my mind. So um, I had to learn again to balance and these things. And I guess they're calling me the balance queen because I have, 
you know, I do have four kids. I have two teenagers. I travel the world. I have this, you know, amazing life. I do a ton of philanthropy and, and those things. And a few years ago, actually a few years before COVID, Ed Milet, one of my friends, he, he was one encouraged, you know, to encourage me to create this kind of happy and strong movement. He's like, Jamie, I coach a lot of leaders, entrepreneurs, and you're the only female that I know that's making the kind of money you're making, but also has so much lifestyle and also so much contribution and then has the little kids. So I, I found that after coaching leadership and entrepreneurship and all these fun things that I was most passionate about helping people to find the joy and the balance. And you're right. There's no such thing as perfect balance. You know, there's going to be times where you're going through, you know, a big thing at work where you're trying to get something off the ground or launch a new company and you're really tilted in that direction and you're all in. But then there's times when there's something going on with your kids or one of your family members, a parent may be sick and you're distracted and you know pulled that direction. And that's OK. So there's never perfect balance, but you can put a lot of simple, learnable, easy tools in place and strategies in place that you can be striving for balance and being fulfilled. I think I'm one of the busiest people I know. I have always, you know, baseball games and all kinds of stuff in my businesses, you know, but there's a difference between being busy and it feeling like chaos and overwhelm and stress 100%. and anxiety and being busy and feeling fulfilled and happy and loving your, your life. So with that process, you've, you've obviously had to figure out how to get away from owner dependency within your yeah. business. Uh, what, what does that look like? Did you stage that back? Did you just kind of rip the Band-Aid off? How, how, how do you think about approaching stuff like this? Yeah, so in everything, in all my businesses, you know, I'm teaching them how to obviously be successful, independent of me. I have tons of systems that have been put in place. Obviously, I have an SOP for just about everything in my business. You know what I mean? So that if I hire new staff on, I don't have to train anyone. The system and the team trains the team. But in every one of my businesses, you know, besides accumulating wealth and, you know, being successful in business, I'm trying to equip them with leadership skills. And for lots of reasons, if I, I, I believe if you have money and you have leadership skills, you can change the world. Whatever you're passionate about, you can go attack it and make a difference. But if, if I can create independent leaders, then I can have lifestyle. So yeah, my, in my book, I teach the first half of the book is kind of how to be successful, multiple seven figures, how to create this a great business. The middle, though, is how to become a leader, develop leaders. So again, you're freed up from your business so that you can have lifestyle and you can scale easier. And then the second half is what everybody wants, all the happiness, the lifestyle, the balance stuff, and how do you juggle it all? How do you have it all? Well, that's the, the, the second half of the book. So you mentioned Ed Milet earlier, and uh, obviously with me being inside, both of us being inside of Arte Syndicate, um, we get a little bit of different access to Ed than what most people typically get. Yeah. Um, but with that, he he's always kind of pounded something into the head of the group, but I don't know if many people catch it. He He's very specific, and I know you've caught on to this with your different ventures too, about the language that you use inside of your brain every day. And yeah. that self-talk and that language uh, can either work for you or against you. And oftentimes, yeah. because our thoughts dictate our emotions and our emotions dictate our behaviors and our behaviors dictate our outcomes, we right. find ourselves, like you said, we get to the end goal of where we want to be, but the emotional states never really end up matching up because our self-talk isn't there. How do you approach yeah. that self-talk within your life? And what's really that script that's going on behind the scenes that most people really wouldn't see if they just looked at you and saw Jamie for this powerful, strong woman that she is? Like, what's that, what's that self-talk going on that got you to the spot of where you're at? 
yeah, we're, we're all human, right? So we all have this uh, self-doubt at times. Even the most competent people, you look at these people, let's say on social media or guys like Ed, and you think that he was just always this amazing champion. And you know what? I'll just tell you, all the, cha- all the champions, they had hard times. They had adversity. Ed's dad just died. He went through a hard thing there. So they, we all went through pandemic. So you see all these things. They're not immune to the challenges and the, you know, the hard things and the self-doubt. But champions just did it anyway. They just kept going. No matter what was going on, they kept growing. But one of the things that the top, you know, let's say one percenters do is they have very clearly defined goals. They have a very compelling vision for their life. They know what's next. They're excited about what's next. They keep it in front of them. Most people just drift through life because they're just focused on today. What the problem is today, where they're at. Uh, and they're, when you focus on now, you focus on today, that's exactly where you stay. And most people, this year looks a lot like last year. There's very little progression, very little personal growth. So it's not just um, keeping the goals in front of you, but it's emotionalizing them. And then it's also using that self-talk. So it seems like a um, time-consuming, hard thing. It's, it's only about five minutes, honestly, a couple times a day, but reading the goals, out loud, envisioning what you want, but then also kind of the outcome of the person you're becoming. So the self-talk is related to the person that you want to become or the things that you want to accomplish in uh, as if you already are that person. So something like when I had health challenges, my, my, my affirmation was, I look great. I feel great. I'm in the best shape of my life, you know, and I still use some of those same affirmations. I'm the hardest working person in my office was my first affirmation that I had kind of told myself every day when I was starting out in business and I wanted to quit. And it was, I was a young single 22 year old female in a very male dominated industry. You know, I had to say, Hey, I'm I'm the strongest leader. I know I'm growing every day. I'm better this month than I was last month. So the self-talk and the associations that you keep, like, you know, I was lucky to have guys like Ed, him and others that were pouring into me but I can't just rely on them. I can't just rely on great podcasts and books. I have to learn to light my own fire. I have to learn to keep myself focused and I have to learn to program my mind for success. I grew up in poverty. I grew up in a trailer in a 325 people town in Northeastern Montana. No one in my family was ever successful. So I had to program my mind for abundance, for wealth. And so I had to kind of keep it. I had to have my own self-talk be more dominant than that self-doubt that was in the back of my mind constantly. Of course, I thought about quitting. Of course, I had, you know, these things happen. All champions do, but they pull rank on their emotions and then they really actively give themselves positive self-talk and have the right associations. So the good in the mind, in the brain is outweighing the bad. I think that's a really, really powerful statement for people to go back and re-listen to, uh, primarily because you made a key differentiation there. Most people get stuck in that self-talk cycle of the past, yep. and it sounds like you were already vision casting and future casting when you were doing those daily affirmations of where you know you're going to be, so that emotional state's there, but it's also very forward-thinking, and you're not telling the story of who you used to be, even yep. though you had every opportunity to live inside of that story forever as many people do, you said, no, no, I'm stepping into this new character who already has all these attributes figured out. 
And even though my physical being doesn't have that yet, my emotional state, my mental state does, and the body will eventually just catch up to where the mind is going anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I was lucky to have great coaches that challenged me to think bigger and to not just, you know, think bigger, but turn my dream machine on and kind of say, well, what would, what would be the best case scenario? What would be your ideal life? What would you be so excited about? What would make you so happy? And then what would you, what makes you pissed off too? What, what injustice do you want to correct? And just using those emotions to keep driving me but then again, having that positive self-talk, having the, the goals clearly defined in front of you. And so you just keep uh, gravitating closer to, to where you're going versus like most people just kind of sitting where you're at. So this, this one's a little bit out of left field because we didn't talk about this before, but um, you brought it up and I wanted to kind of explore this a little bit. How do you approach those, those intuitive feelings to where you know that if I just break through, if I just make this one decision, that my faith or that the universe is going to support me and reward me for doing this. So I'll give an example. Um, we let go of a challenging client, which is very rare for an agency to fire a client. Most of the time uh, mm -hmm. you, you get stuck with them. They're the trouble client. Everybody knows it inside the agency. It's just that cancer culture around that, that group of people, but ownership or the people in your life want you to keep them because it's financially in your best interest or it's serving you for, for the community growth, but you know, on the backside of that, as that leader, there's always that opportunity for more, right? And there's always that abundance that comes for you. And I've, I'm, I'm curious in your life, have you noticed that as you've passed through those barriers and taken those, those strange risks that seem kind of weird and odd to most people around you, that it was almost instantaneously followed up with a reward in some way, it may not be the reward you were expecting, right? It may not be more cash inflow, but you instantly became happier and stronger or just a better person in general because of that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, that was so good, but there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, you, sometimes you have to make hard decisions as an entrepreneur. You have to take risks. That's just part of being an entrepreneur. Like welcome to entrepreneurship. You have to, take risks. <laughs> you have to be getting more and more comfortable with risk-taking. But uh, as far as, you know, these decisions, these tough decisions, I remember letting go of one of my, one of my top guys in my business, my top producers, one of my, one of my, you know, best guys, but, you know, and I, and I love this guy. I had invested a ton of time, you know, in him, getting him to almost seven figures and I had to kind of get rid of him. And sometimes you have to, you know, good is the enemy to great sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if he's the bad apple, if he's the one that maybe is long-term could ruin the reputation of the company, then you got to let him go. You know what I mean? And so I always think long-term and I always think what's best for the whole team, meaning all of my clients, all of my, uh, my teammates, my associates, my uh, employees, what's best like team over me mentality, right? And so sometimes you have to make those tough decisions because what's best long-term for everyone else is what's best for you. And a lot of people have a hard time with that because it's in the short term, giving up their money. Right. right. But long term, it's for much bigger growth. So I, I've had to do that a few times where I let big clients go or, you know, certain people go, which hurt me financially temporarily. But my company was able to expand to a whole nother level, which with them and it would have held them back. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think as as entrepreneurs and um, as visionaries that 
are very clear on where they're going. Again, you have a clearly defined dream life you're chasing, uh, faith, family, fitness, finance, clearly defined like what that second version of you looks like, who you're becoming, what contributions he's going to make, the type of person he's going to become. If you if you have that clear in your mind and you're gravitating towards it, the right people, the right circumstances will come to your aid. The right mentors will come to your aid to make that vision come to fruition. But what will also happen is you'll get ideas. You'll get inspiration. And so I think that we have to act on these things. And, you know, I didn't want to write a book. I didn't, you know, I have way too many things on my plate, but I kept getting this impression in my heart and my mind that especially during COVID, I had to do this and people needed it. And I kind of fought it for a while, but as soon as in my mind, I kind of made the decision like, okay, well, maybe I'll do it. Then all of a sudden, John Maxwell is helping me with this stuff and endorsing me in my book. And, you know, all these great people started coming to my aid to help me and, um, and support it. My mom called me and she said, Hey, I'm bored in quarantine. Can I come out and hang out with the kids? I'll do all the pickups, the drop-offs and the food. So I was freed up and all this stuff came off my plate so that I could add this thing to it. So yes, you have to act on those, you know, inspirations, those ideas, because it's, that's giving you the, you know, you're getting this information in your heart and your mind. So, and again, it might be a challenging decision, like you were talking about that you have to make to get rid of that client, but it's to help you become that second version of you and to get your company, your vision to that next level. I love that. Uh, one of the things within there that you talked about, and once again, this, this is so many layers deep and I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, you talked a lot about opening yourself up to elevate your friend group. And that's, that's so important with who we surround ourselves with and who's feeding us information and who's protecting us from information too, in certain ways. Um, how have you found the best way to elevate your friend group around you? Yeah. Well, again, I came, I grew up in poverty. And I was 22, single, and all my friends were young and wanted to party when I started in business. They weren't thinking about their futures and they were honestly very good influences. So, you know, that you've heard the saying, you're the, you're the sum of the five people that you associate with most. And I believe that's true. So the first thing you can do is just say, okay, well, who's holding me down? And maybe have those conversations. They could be friends. They could be people you love. They could be the people that you're working so hard for. Maybe you want to retire your mom and she's the negative one that's telling you, you know, you're crazy for doing what you're doing, but you just have to have those conversations with them and say, Hey, listen, you know, the next few months or so I'm going for a big goal. I'm going to be super focused. I might not be able to hang out as much. So you're kind of setting, starting to set some boundaries with the ones that are dragging you down and you're replacing them with people that are going to be pulling you up. You know, if I was, you know, working in this health club as a 22 year old, and now the new person that replaced that negative person was making at the time he was making about $300,000 a year. So boom, obviously he, I'm not going to pull his income down. He's pulling mine up. Right. And then started replacing them with people that had similar um, vision and they were going to be supportive of me and what I was doing. So now I started to surround myself with people that were positive, that were uh, focused on their, you know, growing their life, growing their businesses. And then I started to basically listen to podcasts, listen to audiobooks. I, you might think I'm crazy, but I put my, my TV in the garage, cut the cable. I did not for five years straight have a TV that worked in my house. I didn't have uh, a radio in my car. It was always just my, my car became this uh, self-improvement 
college, pretty much everywhere I was driving, it was just constantly, you know, Ed Milet, Napoleon Hill, all of these different uh, influences. So I started to work on my mindset. And it takes about a good 18 months of reprogramming. I, my brain needed a little bit of a washing and refocusing onto more of an abundance and growth mentality versus what I had grown up in. Then after you've kind of changed your associations, cut out the negatives, cut out any type of, even if on social media, if you follow people that you agree with, but they're ranting and they're negative, unfriend them. I'm just telling you, cut out all the negatives. You can't afford it. If you want to win at the highest levels, you cannot afford it, especially for that first 18 months of really getting yourself to be someone that can you know, attract wealth and abundance. So after that, I would say the next step is to seek out mentors, not just positive associations and role models and good books, but mentors. And so it's sometimes that's hard for people. I don't, I don't know why, but they'll say, they'll say things like, well, I'm not there yet. Uh, you know, I, I haven't earned his time. When I get bigger, then I'll reach out to him. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't care what level I was at. If, if they were where I wanted to be, I was going to be their friend. You know what I mean? So I would, I would call up guys that were, you know, and gals that were way further on the same path as me, but further down that path, they've already make, made all the mistakes. Why would I want to go through the path and make all the same mistakes they did? Instead, I found a mentor to say, which, which step should I take this way or that way? And, and I just utilized mentors to, to cut out a lot of the time to get there. I love that. Uh, you really don't realize it until you look back in that retrospect, do you? Of just how much, how much impact it can have and does have inside of your life. Yeah. Associations are everything. I mean, you, you could be working so hard on yourself, but then you go home to a home, like let's say you live with your family, that's super negative and it's just setting you back each time you're taking two steps forward, one step back. So you really do have to cut out negative associations and then have a game plan to replace that with someone that's going to pull you up. It's like these great mentors that I've had, like Ed Milet, like Rich Tholley, these wonderful people that it's like they had this giant crane that could just pull me up to the next level. And trust me, their mindset and their mental toughness is so strong at this point that there's no way I'm pulling them down. You know what I mean? Right. So, but mentors make all the difference in the world. One of the hidden, or hidden keys in there that once again, people probably glossed over because it was so quick, but so important is this idea of boundaries. And from being a mom of four, you learn real fast how to set boundaries. Uh, why do you think people are afraid to set boundaries in their lives? Or how do, how do you start setting a boundary in your life for other people? Because that's really going to help you with your friendship determination. Like, hey, like I just, I, I don't accept this for what this is anymore, right? That's yeah. now a boundary. And it's almost like once you start creating these boundaries in your life, you attract other people who have stronger boundaries around yeah. certain things. And it's like these boundaries start to have this physical attraction to one another to kind of make that process of friend finding or even group elevating easier. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I think that if it's a toxic relationship, you have to cut it out. You have to, like, it's going to hold you back. It's going to set you back over and over again. So those are just, you're going to completely cut out, but, but then there's just, you know, especially women, but men too, Sometimes it's hard to say no. It's hard to set boundaries, especially as an entrepreneur. We tend to say, hey, if it's going to get done right, I'm going to do it myself or, or hey, if I can just get it done faster. And so we tend to take on more than we should. 
and we're always kind of carrying this heavy load and we're trying to achieve our next goal. We're hard charging to it, but yet we're dragging all this other crap that shouldn't be on our plate because we couldn't say no, we couldn't set boundaries. And so I have scripts in the book. I teach, you know, different scripts to, I, I got asked one time, Alex, to be the PTA president. And my, my, my initial thought was like, well, hell no, like, like no, never, not a chance in hell I'm going to ever do anything like that. That doesn't help my kids learn more. It doesn't help them be more, uh, you know, happier and, you know, more social. It doesn't, it just sucks up my time. And we have all these time wasters and time suckers in our life. So I have these scripts and it could be as simple as, oh, I'm so honored that you would even think of me for this role. Let me talk to my partner and, and, I'll, and I'll get back to you. And then you just shoot out your little script email and says, hey, I talked to my partner. I talked to my spouse and they think I have too much on my plate. My husband always thinks I have too much on my plate. So that's always true, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, like they have, think I have too much on my plate, but think of me throughout the year for volunteer opportunities, you know? So we just, again, tend to, to try to do it all and try to, you know, micromanage or try to be too involved in and not, not finding the right people in the right roles to free ourselves up. And, and that's how people burn out. I fully agree. It's how I've burned out before too, is not having strong boundaries. And it's, it's a real fast and slippery slope. And I feel, I feel like it was an important lesson to learn. And it was, it's some of those that you just have to go through the school of hard knocks because you don't, you don't really appreciate how much, um, how much cognitive load you're under until you kind of break that point. And then you're like, Oh crap, like I've been overwhelmed for years and I didn't realize it because it just stacks. Uh, one of my old neuro or neuroscience professors used to give us this analogy. He was like, you really don't understand how much you're thinking about and how much is on your mind until you start viewing about viewing your brain as a daily consumption of donuts. He was like, our brain consumes a dozen donuts a day. So how much energy are you giving to your relationships? How much are you giving to studying? How much are you giving to your work? How much are you giving to your faith? And then once you truly understand how much cognitive energy you're devoting to each one of these, and you align that with your goal, now you're really starting to look at your brain and your body in a totally different way. Right. Absolutely. I think your, your mental clarity and your wellness, physical and mental wellness, your self-care is so important. Like I, you know, people always say, well, Jamie never burns out. It's hard to compete with her because it's true, but it's because of school of hard knocks, like you said, that I, I made myself sick in the past because I was just working like a maniac, you know, loving what I was doing and excited about where I was going, but I wasn't taking care of me and I wasn't taking care of my mental or, you know, my physical health. I was eating crap, you know, you know, going through drive-throughs when I just didn't have time. I was uh, not getting enough sleep. And I, again, I had three kids at that time too. So it was just kind of run, running me ragged, burning the candle on both ends. And it caught up with me and I got sick and I had to, I, I was forced because I said I had an incurable autoimmune disease. And she said, you know, there's no cure, take this pill for the rest of your life and it will suppress symptoms. And by the way, you can't have kids anymore because the, you know, the medication and I learned from being around guys like Ed and being in, you know, an entrepreneur and studying mental toughness for so long that you don't listen to negative people. And so I just <laughs> was like, you know, I'm not talking to her anymore. And I went back and then just put it into my business plan. Hey, in 18 months, I'm going to be healthy. I look great, feel great. I'm in the best shape of my life and started to become, instead of just a student of wealth and a student of business and a student of these other, you know, self-improvement and self-development, I became a student of my own body and learned to learn what I needed to do to take care of me, because if we are, if we, if we're empty, how can we pour into others? 
If I know if I'm not taking care of me the right way, I will burn out eventually. I'll get to the point where I'll say, I see so many entrepreneurs say things like, well, I think I'm good now. I don't think I need any more. Or they'll say like, I've been working so hard for so long, I deserve a break. And then they plateau. And we all know that there's no such thing as a plateau. It's either you're growing or you're, you're dying. So you start to go backwards. You start to feel unfulfilled, unhappy because you're not progressing anymore. And so um, that self-care piece is, it's such a big piece because Again, if I'm tired, if I'm stressed out, if I'm not, you know, getting the right exercise, I'm, I'm going to be short with my husband. I'm not going to be the best mom mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get those inspiration and ideas that I need, that I deserve. And I should be coming, you know, it should be coming to me to take my business to the next level. That's so good. I'm because <laughs> it's so true. It, it's 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 just part of the universal laws of things. Uh, and guys been- are worse at this, just so you know, guys are worse at the self-care thing. Oh, 100%. I mean, they think it's a girl thing and it's not, it's 100%. really not. And they all, they also, they're like, Oh, just man up. And <laughs> so guys have a hard well, time. That's exactly it. And they're not very good multitaskers, you know, a lot of times. So, well, from, from the neuroscience perspective, there's no such thing as multitasking. We're switch tasks, yeah. task switching, but, right. um, but I, I 100% agree. I used to manage a flotation therapy center for two years and did all their digital marketing. And our audience was primarily female. And every single time they would drink, they would bring husband or boyfriend along, and they'd be they'd be super like low energy. Their body language would be down. I don't want to be here, right? She's dragging me along to this spa, and then they would come out and they'd say, "Holy shit, I haven't felt this good in I years." I needed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It says. But you, you really don't get that until you start being around people that are elevating you. So that's part of my next question, which is oftentimes with our coaches or our mentors, there's so much on our plate at a time. And then when we have that opportunity to connect with them, it's almost like we go brain dead of like all the great questions that we should be asking them, yeah. right? We, we come at them with low level questions, get low level answers. So then we get low level results. So right. what are the, out of, out of the questions that we should be asking our mentors, what are some actionable questions around everybody's life right now that they should be asking their mentors so they can get those next level improvements at a yeah. higher rate? So I'll just tell you my philosophy on this. And if you ask Ed Milet, or if you ask you know, Rich Lally, they'll probably tell you that I'm the most coachable person they've ever coached. I just, you have to be coachable. You have to put your ego completely aside. So when we're thinking about all of our questions, who are we thinking about? We're thinking about ourselves. It's ego driven, right? And so when I have a coach, I feel like humble. I am so lucky. I am so grateful that I have this time with this person, that he's taking time away from his family, his business, her you know, busy life to, to carve out time for me. Okay. So it's about them. I'm in service of them. How can I add value to them? So that they'll want to be, you know, coaching me. And here's the, the biggest part though. So many people go ask their questions of their coach, they get advice and then they will freaking implement it. <laughs> or they ask like, well, why, why should I do that? You know, or, or, you know, I don't, I've never asked a coach why I didn't. As, and so there's a big difference between 99% coachable and 100% coachable. Mm. Big difference. I'm 100% coachable. Is there any perfect coach? No, there's no such thing as a perfect human being or a perfect coach. As awesome as Ed is or these other guys, they're going to, they're not perfect. So maybe not 100% of the time is their instruction going to be 
100% the best thing ever, right? But I can't pick and choose which one of the 100 instructions I get from him is the wrong one. Mm. So I implement all of them at the speed of instruction. So my question to my coaches is always, what next coach? So when I, they go and I say, here, what should I do? Here's what I'm struggling with. What should you, what do you think I should do? And I communicate often enough that they, they, they know what's going on in my life and they know what's going on in my business. It's not like I go to them once a year and do my business plan. Right. I'm, I'm doing constant course correction. I have guys that come to me once a year. Hey, Jamie, I need two hours of your time. And they go over this elaborate plan. Wonderful. My guys that do better and hit seven figures faster are the guys that call me almost every week. And it's one minute, two minute conversations of just course corrections. Hey, I had this idea. What do you think? Okay, great. Boom, implement. So I tend to have a great relationship of service to my coaches that we uh, develop a friendship. They know I'll always do anything for them. But when I ask the question, what, what next coach, they'll give me the instruction and I go implement, do everything exactly what, the way they said. I get whatever results I get. And then I go back to them. I said, here's what happened. Here's what I did. Here's the result. What next coach? And they keep pulling me to the next level. Instead of going back and trying to think of what the answer is to my dumb question I asked, they're helping me get to the next level. The key is also finding a coach that does have a vested interest in your success. You mm. know what I mean? Or that he is going to, he cares about you and you know it, you know, he cares about you or she cares about you. So now you're not questioning in the back of your mind. Is there an agenda here? And just boom, you can implement. And so if you do that, you know, these successful people, these top, you know, two percenters, one percenters, they love I, I do. I know I do. And I know Ed does. They love to pour into people's lives. They love to make a difference in people's lives. The impacting uh, people's lives is our favorite part of what we do. It's just not fun when you try to help someone and then they say why, or they don't do anything. I call them assholes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they're always asking me questions yeah. and they're not implementing. So, you know, you want, you want to be coachable to them. You want to be in service of them. And, you know, you hear all these books being recommended or you hear all these, you know, oh, go on this podcast or do this or do that. You know, instead, I would like to ask my coach, like, hey, what do you think I need right now? Where's my hole? What's my strength? You know, just ask specific questions of what what do I should what should I focus on right now? And where's my hole? So then they can care about you see where you're at, see where they feel like is the next step and just really pour into you and not be held back with trying to answer your questions about nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. More general for them, make it more open for them to just pour into you. That's so good. Uh, I definitely have struggled with that. I, I typically come with uh, very, I'm good about coming with direct questions. That also was a very learned skill of wasting a ton of money on yeah. just asking like, all right, like here, so showing up to a coaching call and being like, here's what I'm working on. And then just leaving it there as opposed to showing up and being like, yeah, I've already been working on this stuff on the side, but my more, my other questions are more towards like, like, what am I about to step in that I don't even know is coming? Exactly. Right? Yeah. They, so now, they've been there. Right. They have, they're, they're like at the top of the mountain and they can see where you're at and they can tell you which way to step to avoid any landmines. Yeah. Right. But the other thing is like, if you have something in your business that you just keep hitting a wall, you keep trying different things and it's just not, it's not happening. Then I would say, look, this is my whole, 
tell me exactly what you would do to fix it. Mm-hmm. And just take tons of notes, shut your mouth and let them talk. And when you're meeting with your mentors, it should be about 90, 10 listening and talking. 90 percent, 90% just let them just give, give you every minute that you have with them is precious, you know, so get everything that you can. Guys, this is so good. If you're not following Jamie by now or buying her book yet, you're seriously missing out on great information because we're just, we're literally just barely scratching the surface. This interview could go on for hours, but uh, she's busy. I'm busy and we can't make that happen. I have a few more questions for you if you still got time. Sure. Go ahead. All right. Um, Think and Grow Rich is one of those books that every entrepreneur somehow magically stumbles into their uh, endless library that seems to always be growing and yep. half of it never gets read. But for the ones that read Think and Grow Rich and read it consistently, it's one of those weird treasures that if you know, you know, but so many people know, but they never actually build or execute on anything that they have no idea that this thing's like a, a magical sorcery tome drifted down from like 500 generations of awesomeness. Like yeah. the, the amount of great information and practical information, even a hundred years later, uh, and then even thinking about it a step further from the 16 laws of power, not being able to be published and then them having to rewrite it and then pass it down into thinking grow rich. You're even getting a distilled and watered down version of the original. How, how is this, I know you're a big proponent of this book, but how has this book really impacted your life? Like what have been some of the key takeaways that you've taken from thinking grow rich that you still use today on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I, that's probably the, the most impactful book that I've ever read, but I know so many multimillionaires and one thing that they have in common is that book. They all talk about how they, that was the, like one of their biggest books that changed their life. And so for me, uh, one of my other coaches, one of my other mentors early on was a guy, he actually made the movie Think and Go Rich, The Legacy. Uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation asked him to make the movie of it. And so I was just with him and Sharon Lecter speaking at a Think and Go Rich event, uh, I think it was last weekend. And uh, so, yes, I apply that in my life, in every area of my life. Now, if you've read Think and Go Rich and you've only gotten to like chapter whatever it is on desire and then you stopped, which is very common, or you've only read it once, I think you got to read it a few times before it kind of clicks. I I really do. I've read it. I've read it several times. But here's my key takeaways. Um, I, again, was early on coming into this, starting a business as an entrepreneur, 22, had only been an employee working in a gym parents, everyone in my family, poverty. So I had to really work on how I thought, um, I hung around negative people, had to change my associations, had to change my mastermind alliance. But the biggest takeaway that I got was that same coach that, you know, did that movie. He told me, Jamie, I want you to write down your goals and dreams. I want you to write them down. I want you to read them every morning and every night. And so I wrote, wrote them down. I thought I was going to impress him. So I was trying to think big and put all these big goals down so he would be impressed and want to work with me. And I guess I was thinking too small because he's reading halfway through my business plan and he literally threw it on the floor and said, this is crap. What are you thinking? He's like, look around, look what people are doing. Look what's possible. Redo these things. What do you really, really want your life to look like? And so I sat down, I'm like, okay, I couldn't think that big back then. And I said, oh, I want to make a half a million dollars a year, residual income, be at all my kids' games and have total lifestyle and freedom. And that's as big as I could think back then. And he's like, all right, well, that's a little better. And he starts to back engineer a business plan of how to achieve that in the next few years. 
And it, he made it look so simple. And he said, okay, I want you to read this every morning, every night. And then I want you to create some affirmations, positive affirmations that back up this second version of you that's making a half a million dollars. And I, I honestly did it. And I think that's out of all the people I coach, the hardest thing in the world for them to pick up a business plan and take five minutes and read it. I don't know why that is so hard for people, but just pick it up and read it. And so I had one on my nightstand. I had, I laminated my goals and put them in my shower, just kind of wet it and stuck it to the wall. And so I'm in my shower. Hopefully you shower every day, but you know, you're, you're taking your shower and it's right there in front of you. Then I upgraded it to like Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich says using your emotions. There's a whole chapter in that book on emotions and using them. And so my business plan is not a business plan or a game plan. It's an emotional game plan. And so the, the ultra elite, you know, one percenters, they invest a lot of time figuring out what makes them emotional. Again, what pisses you off? What would be like the most amazing thing that you could do for a family member that would make you so happy? Just, and then being able to visualize it. Maybe it's retiring a parent and you could close your eyes and push play on a movie in your mind and be able to see it, touch it. What's the weather like that day? And I would do that every morning and every night. Now I'm not perfect for the last 23 years. I can't say I did it every day, but I did it most days. And I'll tell you, there was times that were the lowest points of my business and the biggest failures. And I remember one night, even telling my husband, I'm quitting. He's like, you're not going to quit. He's like the most optimistic, annoying, like this positive guy, right? He's like, you're not going to quit. You love it too much. And I'm like, watch me. You try to do it on your own. <laughs> I, got, I got a little mean, but I went to bed that night, pretty much in tears. I was so frustrated and just at the lowest point in debt, you know, living in this little tiny place and wondering if I was ever even going to make any money, let alone, you know, make multi-millions a year. But I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. And my business plan that I read every morning and every night started to play in my mind. And I kept thinking, I can't quit on my sisters back home. I can't quit on this gal that I just sold this big dream to that I was going to help her, you know, and her family. Can't quit on that client that I just, you know, brought on board. And that's what kept me going. At next morning, I was the first in the office making phone calls. You know what I mean? So you can program your mind to to gravitate towards the ex anything you want. Uh, there's a great quote that I love by Mark Twain. And it says, I can teach anyone how to get anything they want in life. I just can't find anybody who knows what they want. And so that is what I got from thinking Grow Rich, getting so crystal clear on what I wanted and turning it into just like this burning desire. Like it's not okay if I don't, if I don't hit these goals, it's not okay. This has to happen. And just like firing me up every morning, re-energizing me, refocusing me and rebalancing me because I have these burning desire goals in each of my faith, family, fitness, and finance. Right. So, so that's what was my takeaway and it's worked. And you know what, I'll tell you, when you have that burning desire and you have that clarity, you will gravitate towards it and the right people will help you. I've applied it in business, went from again, poor poverty in debt to making multiple seven figures and multiple businesses. Uh, I've applied it in every area of relationships and uh, I've also applied it in my health. Like I said, when I wrote down, Hey, in 18 months, I'm going to be completely autoimmune free. I've been autoimmune free for 11 years now, and I've had no health challenges. So, you know, you can, your mind is very, very, very powerful. You can think and grow rich. You can think and grow happy. You can think and grow healthy. You know what I mean? And, uh, and it does work. I promise you it, 
it, it works. And so I've, I've used it in every, every area and I still do to this day. And of course, even right now with the book out, I have so much on my plate and I have to remind myself of like, hey, good things are coming because of this. I love that. I have one final question for you and then we're going to wrap it up. If you, if somebody got, they ran into you at Starbucks, they ran into you literally somewhere and they're, they grabbed you. They're like, oh my gosh, Jamie, I have this burning question. How do I become happier? What's one thing I can do today that'll make my life happier? What is it? I would say there's probably two, two simple things. You know, that progression, getting clear on where you're going, uh, getting excited about what's next, cutting out all those negatives and focusing on the good instead of the problem. But one thing to just add it, immediate happiness they've done study after study is focusing on others and mm. being grateful so maybe having a gratitude journal um every single day no matter if you're in your crappiest lowest low there's good things to 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 look at maybe it's for me maybe it's the smile on my little six-year-old's face because he makes these funny little faces or maybe my husband the way he looked at me in the kitchen yesterday but find little things write them down when you express gratitude uh, not just writing them down, but expressing gratitude, pick up the phone, think of a person in your life that's changed your life, a mentor, a parent, a coach that you've had in the past, or if they've passed on, then just write a letter out to them of how they've changed your life. Expressing gratitude increases happiness levels instantly. And the, and it's funny because the people that are the, the least happy actually have the highest increase of happiness when expressing verbally expressing gratitude hmm. to someone. So that's one way to add it. And then again, focusing on others. Uh, I think that if you can add, and I know we all have these busy plates, you know, again, so much going on, but I always make time. And even if I don't want to, and I don't feel like it, that as a family, uh, we are doing service. And it could be as little as helping a widow in the neighborhood, you know, move her furniture or clean up her yard to um, the philanthropy that I'm involved in. Uh, for Christmas, I have each of my kids pick a charity that we're gonna serve. And instead of you know making a big deal out of a lot of dumb stuff. So I think that's the best thing you can do for your kids. Teenagers, uh, there's record suicide right now. There's uh, the, the youth is their lowest points. Just so you know, we are now the most unhappy we have been as a nation in over 50 years. There's record um, alcoholism, uh, antidepressant use, uh, domestic violence, all these bad things are uh, on a rise, especially after you know COVID and coming out of COVID, people are still feeling very stuck. So when we can focus on others and get outside of, again, that ego driven all about me, why me, um, instantly you will have an injection of the synergy of happiness in your mind and in your heart. And then it gets you out of that funk just enough to now focus on what do I need to do next? So, yeah. I love that. It's so good. So practical. And guys, we always sign off with these with go make somebody smile today because it truly yeah. is amazing what type of impact it can have on somebody's life. Uh, yeah. But Jamie, thank you it so much. It makes you for happy. It makes yes. you happy. Not just yes, <laughs> of course. It's a two-way street. Ha yeah. Happiness is a universal language. It's the it's and it's so easy. It's so easy and it's free to smile. Yep. <laughs> it's just it's so awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. You really are a gift to all of us and just to the world that there's somebody like you out there with your superpower of just communicating and thinking about things the way that you do. Uh, we truly need people like you out there spreading the good word. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. It was it was really my pleasure. Sure. One more time, real fast before we hang up. Where can people get the book and where can they find you on social? So uh, at jamie.villalobos. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but uh, Instagram is probably better, more communication there. And then happyandstrong.com. And then as far as the book, like I said, anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon's probably the easiest, but Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, wherever you buy books. It's awesome. called Happy and Strong. And uh, like I said, May 17th is a launch date, but it's on pre-sale right now. Sounds awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you.